What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron, and you're listening to Diner Discussions. So today we have a special guest, and I say that every time, but um, I've been trying to get this person on for a while, um, and they finally answered my message, Uh, but I don't think it could have came at a better time. Um, So I was scrolling through TikTok one day, um, and I heard this haunting guitar melody. And I was like, what is this? And then I heard this beautiful voice sing the words, I was baptized in a lake before I had the chance to say a single dirty word out loud. And I said to myself, whoa, wait, this is different. You know, this isn't like overproduced crap that you normally hear or somebody lip syncing on TikTok. It was it was real and uh, it was really good. And so um, after that, I was hooked. And I had to uh, share it with my wife, and I, I I watched almost every TikTok she had, and I was like, I got to get her on the show. So um, I, I messaged her, and thank God she answered me. So um, Leah Lawson, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. That was such a nice intro. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I totally didn't come up with that like 30 minutes before we started talking, so... That was wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> so how long have you been singing? Um, I've been singing for as long as I can remember. Um, my mom always made jokes about, like, I guess I had, I never really slept as a kid. So she would say she'd be walking by my crib at night and I would just be singing to myself. <laughs> and she'd be like, did that? Um, so I've been singing for a really long time. I didn't like pick up the guitar or start like songwriting until I think I was about like 16. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then of course I did the whole, I sing in church and stuff. So yeah. did the worship team thing for a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because when I was younger, you know, they had, um, like the books that you could buy of like your favorite boy band or whatever and like 90% of all of them are like how did you get started and they're always like church choir or you know church group yep. so it's, it's really funny how many churches have like pumped out all these amazing talents just because you know they're practicing singing all the time yeah and I think you learn harmonies that way yeah. so yeah it makes sense <laughs> <laughs> so you started at 16 playing the guitar um did you take mm-hmm. lessons or teach yourself or what so initially my dad taught me a little bit. Um, he always played also in church <laughs> yeah. and um, he played classical guitar, but he taught me just the basic chords and then I kind of took it from there. Um, I did take lessons for a short while, but I was never very like dedicated with it. I really just like 
being able to like write songs and like support myself singing. So I, I always regretted that I'm not like better at the guitar, but yeah. I did. Yeah. Basically my dad taught me. So yeah. That's awesome. Um, my oldest is now, uh, she's about to be 14 in December and she's, um, been asking to sign up for guitar lessons. So I was like, heck yeah. I thought you'd never ask, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely wish I had stuck with the lessons, so I can be a cautionary, cautionary tale for her. <laughs> I told her, she's like, I, with, with all my kids, what I try to do, I, I say that like I got 30, I have three. Um, but with, with the mm-hmm. kids, I always try to tell them, you don't have to um, do something forever, like, but I want you to at least try it. Because there was a lot of times yeah. when I was younger that my mom would sign me up for something. I never went. And then I regretted it every day, you know, since then. So I was like, tell yeah. them, learn as I, much as you can when you're young and impressionable. Yeah. I definitely relate to that. My brother did like piano lessons and he really stuck with it and he plays the piano really well. And I tried it for like, I think a week. And then I was like, no, I'm on, I'm onto something else. So <laughs> yeah. That's good, awesome. That's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I started piano lessons and I learned like, I think three weeks worth of lessons is what I took. And then um, where we were going, there was like classrooms and my mom would drop me off and I would act like I was walking towards the piano hall and I would walk yeah. to the one next door with the books and I would sit down and read. And then mm-hmm. I knew when she was coming to pick me up, so I'd always like, you know, meet her at the door. <laughs> so like I think for like two months she thought I was like learning piano and I was just reading books. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, you know, she's like, thank God those are free or I rang your neck when I found out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad they were free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when did you start writing songs? Um, I guess I started writing them in high school when I was like 16 and I wrote like just really embarrassing songs about people I had crushes on. Um, you know, I think I'm like about the same age as Taylor Swift and I like loved her. So at the <laughs> time that's kind of like what I was writing, you know, yeah. and I was like, I'm going to be just like, that's um, the best time my, to write I, is when you're like yeah. super emotional and then you have all those like chemicals coming in, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And my like best friend um, now, we met in high school when we were like 16. And so she was there for like all of the songs. And somehow she still has recordings of some of them. So she likes to like blackmail me with like my really, really bad songs <laughs> I wrote about like people from our hometown that she, we still know. So That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> so speaking of embarrassing stuff, um, yeah. I used to write songs in elementary and... I couldn't play an instrument or anything, but I wrote down band names in a notebook of like all the names I wanted to call my band. And I, uh, nice. was, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I still have that notebook and I found it like a couple of weeks ago. I was digging through a tub of stuff, um, from my old house, like where, you know, my mom like remodeled my mm-hmm. room and got rid of a bunch of my tubs and brought them over yeah. unannounced, you know? <laughs> and filled a small room full of them. And I was like, well, it's time to kind of go through these and, you know, purge a little. But I found my whole notebook, and it, it's pretty embarrassing. Do you want to hear one of my songs? I 
I absolutely do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. 100%. <laughs> Brace yourself, though, because, you know, not since I'm Robert crazy. Frost has there been such poetry on paper. I'm just telling you. I'm ready. Okay. So uh, the first line is, there's this girl in my class. She doesn't know that I exist. Mm. She wears a black yep. bracelet on her wrist. She sits okay. beside the sharpener, so I pretend to break my lead. So many thoughts inside my head. Please, God, are wow. you listening? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, elementary? Yeah, it was like sixth grade. Okay, I feel like that's probably better than what I was writing in uh, elementary. That was the best one. I will not read the rest of them. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're all, it's all painful when you look back, but honestly, it could definitely have been worse. So Yeah. Well, yeah, that was definitely like, you know, my masterpiece compared to the rest of them. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> I guess that last part was me begging God to let her notice me, I guess. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it got so serious so fast. <laughs> yeah. That's usually how they were, though, because I, love- I think I wrote them in different times. Like, I would write down, like, a line, and then, like, two or three weeks uh-huh. when I had different feelings would write down something. So, like, they drastically changed tone, like, a lot. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I left it vague, so you know, it it also it I don't know. It also sounds like I was in anguish, you know, like <laughs> yelling out to, to God, please help me, God. <laughs> yeah, I hear I hear the pain coming through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I eventually gave up um, uh, singing altogether. I I used to sing, and um, we had something called the. Uh, um, what was it called? A uh, share festival or whatever. And it, I think is what it was called. I may be wrong, but it was a four H thing. And oh, nice. it was like a talent contest. And every year I won first place in singing. Um, oh, wow. One year I won first place because I was the only one in my age group, but the rest of the time, you okay. know, <laughs> I won it fair and square. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. But, um, uh, a family member, like I won't go into detail because I don't know if they listen, but they uh, made a comment kind of probably offhand, not even really meaning anything by it. And I took it to heart. And after that, I never sang again, like not publicly. Uh, that's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I would okay. like as I got older, my ears got bad because um, I had like 13 uh, ear surgeries. Um, Are you serious? Yeah, I had bad, like, ear infections, and I was born, like, you know how the ear canal kind of, like, slants downwards, so, like, to let out water and stuff? Mine's inverse, so it's, like, it slants kind of upwards, and so any moisture would make my ears infected. Is that in both ears? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And my my husband's deaf in one ear, because he had also a bunch of surgeries. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and, like, I, I can hear good enough to, like, you know, but I can't hear when I'm off key, and so it's yeah. really, it makes me self-conscious. Oh, so, that sucks. Yeah, so I haven't sang since I was probably, I don't know, I would say, like, eighth grade, maybe? Oh, no, that's so long. Yeah, 
Now I'll sing to myself, Aww. like when I'm home alone, you know, I'll belt it out. But like, I don't even sing in front of my wife. So, <laughs> well, at least you sing at home. Some. <laughs> yeah. So words matter, people. Just know that when you say things, they do affect people. Be nice. God. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. I'm going to find that family member. <laughs> yeah. Just, just go and just like talk crap about their weight or something. Yeah. You know, something they're self-conscious about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when did you discover TikTok? Okay, so my friend told me about it in, I think it was like 2019. And this was when she was like, hey, there's this new thing. And she showed um, me and all my, you know, millennial friends. Yeah. And she was like, this is the thing that the kids are doing now. And they're so funny. Like these Gen Z kids are so funny. You got to see this. And so we all like got on it and I just got obsessed with it. And I never made any videos. I just was watching them for Mm -hmm. like, I think a year. And then eventually I was like, it probably was at the beginning of the first lockdown Mm -hmm. or first quarantine. Um, I was like, maybe I'll just make a video. You know, you never know until you try. And so, yeah, I think I was putting out, I think I put out videos for like six months before anything, any of them did anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been a, I've been a TikTok fan for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think the pandemic really changed my viewpoint on it, to be honest. Yeah. It was like, had you, were you on it for a while or? Well, um, let's see. So pre pandemic, it was just that new wannabe vine app because i mm-hmm, loved vine exactly like me too and i came in at the tail end of that so it made me mad because like i was only into it for like a year or so before it went down mm-hmm. and then um yep so it was that like oh this is what the kids are they think they're original but it's really just them trying to be the millennials you know because we had vine yeah. and so i was like you know the typical old man thing where it's like oh, those darn kids, and they're trying to be cool, and it's just weird and cringy. And then, and this was out without even looking at it, you know, or ever downloading it. And then I think there's a couple episodes of the podcast where me and Josh are, like, like not talking crap about it, but just being like, yeah, we're not really into it because it's this, you know, wannabe thing or yeah. whatever. Oh. And then I downloaded it because what else are you going to do in a pandemic? Gosh, you know. And then it became a time suck. So I don't, unless I have like 30 minutes to kill, I will not turn it on because you will look up and it's, you know, it's way past when you thought it was. Yep. This happens to me every single night. Last night I was like, I'm proud of myself. I'm going to bed. It wasn't early. It was still like 1 a.m. Yeah. But I was like, this is, I do not go to bed early enough. And then it was just all of a sudden it was 2 a.m. And I was like, duh, not again. It's literally every. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, there and that's what's funny. Like, I think during the pandemic, Gen Z never had a shot to stay on TikTok, like to be king, because Mm -hmm. the millennials, we came and took it over. I don't even see any Gen Z videos anymore. No, really? I still see a lot of them. Yeah, and I I know it's curated towards me, but it's just funny because I don't see dancing videos as much as I see like comedy and cats and like people my age doing stupid stuff so nice yeah yeah i get uh i I get a lot of like i love true crime stuff i get a Mm -hmm. lot of true crime stuff which is great i've also uh discovered alien tiktok yeah which is crazy 
very fun. <laughs> um, oh, and cult TikTok, I love. Yes. It's so <laughs> yeah. funny because things, I, I feel like because of the application, because it's just a few minutes, I feel like you will watch stuff that you normally wouldn't click on on YouTube, you know? Mm-hmm. And because of that, we've become exposed to all the stuff that's kind of outside our, not our comfort zone, but outside of our knowledge base. Yeah. I've learned totally. so much in the last year and about people, yeah. like about people that think differently than me, which is always good, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like I've learned a lot and like there's so many shocking things to learn. I'm like, what? How did I never know this stuff? How does somebody else know this? <laughs> <laughs> I've also learned how not to act in public because of a lot of Karens and stuff like that. But, you know, for sure, that could be a whole on a whole nother conversation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, I used to be a music producer in college and I used to, um, I had a makeshift studio set up in my dorm room and I I lived on the uh, floor with all the football players, um, cause I was supposed to go for (laughs) basketball, but you know, uh, depression and stuff kept me out. And, um, so I had them come over and like rappers and stuff would come to my, my makeshift studio, record an album Mm -hmm. on my Mac. And then I would, you know, charge them and send it out. And so that's how I paid for like all the stuff that I had in my dorm was by cutting music. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I really wish I would have stayed with it though, because TikTok and YouTube and all of the Places like that, producers have it so mm-hmm. easy these days. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely you definitely could market it on on TikTok and all that. Yeah, I mean you can't scroll like I think maybe six videos without seeing someone that can sing like you know amazing. Yeah, true. That's very true. So I mean it's 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 not slim pickings anymore. You don't have to dig through hours and hours of crappy SoundCloud rappers and singers to find, you know, a good one <laughs> like you used to. That is so true. Yeah, and it's not region locked because, I mean, we're living in a time where you can hear someone in Tokyo, like, the instant they put something out, and it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it is very cool. I feel like now I have, like, quote-unquote, like, TikTok friends and I do not even know where, like, a lot of them live. But I, like, you know, you, like, talk to them on TikTok. You, like, mm-hmm. comment on their stuff. Sometimes we follow each other on Instagram. Like, it's very fun to have friends, like, internet friends, wherever. I mean, when I was a kid, you had to be careful. I mean, you still do. But you have to be careful about having yeah. internet friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our parents told us that the internet is, you know, not the place to find people. But since we started streaming, like, every night... I have met more cool people in this like short last like six months than I have my entire life. Like as far as like quality people, Mm -hmm. people that are similar to me, at least in, you know, their interest. Yeah. Where do you, where are you streaming on? On on Twitch. Um, No, we haven't. The problem is that we, I got, I have a social media manager and we're just now like making plans for TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. because we started on Facebook and I know that sounds old, <laughs> but we used to, that was I the only place so. for us to go live, like without a whole lot of mm-hmm. equipment. And so, yeah. um, we used to have the DDP show and it was every Monday at 6 PM central. 
And, you know, we'd get like 1,200 views every video, which for, you know, us who <laughs> thought three people would watch was amazing. Yeah, that's great. And so, you know, we did that um, for a while. And then we realized that Facebook was kind of like not who we wanted to be our demographic um, in the long run because <laughs> those people were getting older. And, mm-hmm. you know, we want to stay relevant for the next, you know, I mean, I would love to do this for the next 10 years, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if that's possible. But, I don't know how much technology will change or whatever, but, um, mm-hmm. so we moved to Twitch because that was where all the, you know, younger, like people that listen to us were going and yeah. we, we started streaming our, our, uh, show that we do. It's just like, you know, us messing around for 30 minutes like playing games and um being goofy and then we started playing video games and uh so we did that for a while we still do that and now we have a discord full of people that play with us that's awesome very cool yeah it's definitely yeah yeah very cool yeah i had to watch like hours and hours of youtube videos on how to stream and all that but uh (laughs) we're still figuring (laughs) yeah i don't you know, yeah, I don't know hardly anything about Twitch. I, I love the concept, and I like that people are, like, gaming and that they, like, can do it for a living. I think it's very cool, but I, I don't know how to do it, but I like it. <laughs> well, if you if you feel here. comfortable enough to be in front of the camera and, you know, of, I mean, I'm sure you do um, because of live on Twitch with, you know, guys being guys and weird and nasty, but um, there's a girl named Emma Grace Guitar, and she has, like, a ton of people that follow her and subscribe, and she gets on there for, like, two hours, and she just, like, talks and plays guitar and sings, and she is making enough money to do that full-time. Dang. Yeah, so, (laughs) yeah, it's Emma Grace Guitar, and she's amazing. Like, every time I get on there, she's, like, she... You know, no matter who's talking, she's like, hey, diner, you know, (laughs) and she's um, (laughs) she's got an amazing accent and she's got like fiery red hair. That's like really curly. She looks like the girl from Brave. Uh, Nice. Okay, I'm going to look her up. (laughs) Yeah, she's and she's awesome. And she does this uh, hick accent of what she thinks an American Southern lady, like a Southern belle sounds (laughs) like. Um, And she calls her Brandina. And it's hilarious. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a point redemption. Like, after you watch her for so long, you can trade in your points and make her do it. It's funny. Oh, that's cool. Okay, that's very cool. I love the point redemptions on Twitch. I wish they were other places because, like, you know, we we have ones that are, like, you know, obviously the easy ones are, like, hydrate, you know, or posture check. But, like, there's a lot of, like, tell us a story or, you know, guide guide the raid or whatever. Like, shout out to a streamer. Yeah. That is cool. I did not know they had that as part of their system. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. The, the more you listen, I mean, the more you watch, um, you get points like for every couple minutes or whatever, and it adds up over time. Um, like mm-hmm. Allie, our social media manager, watches our Twitch stream, and she's a mod, so um, she gets extra points. But uh, she's got like, like <laughs> thousands and thousands of points. And so we have banned her. <laughs> from doing our when we do our drinking stream because we don't want to die <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> that's amazing yeah because she would just be like, like okay yeah 
Yeah, she'd be like, 100 shots. I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, my God. What's you guys' drink of choice when you're on there? Oh, man. Um, we screwed up and did a uh, $5 redemption for a shot of whiskey. And the only whiskey I had, like, I, I thought I had some really, because I don't drink a lot. And so I don't yeah. know what's in our cabinet. Um, we have, like, six or seven bottles, you know, for parties mm-hmm. or, like, when we have uh, dinner or whatever and um <laughs> i had uh 102 or no it was 90 92 proof uh a barrel aged whiskey and uh-huh. yeah let's just say that was the most money that anyone's ever paid our stupid dream <laughs> was that night and the next morning it, it was rough i bet <laughs> yeah so we've toned it down i did disarono last time because it's you know nothing <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yeah because my my friend who i had on um her name is kat minmo and she's uh from australia and she was dropping like five dollars like here and there and we were we were doing we started the night off with a you know like a dollar a shot and it was like nope we're gonna mm-hmm. have to to end that and boost it way high because it was getting ridiculous yeah yeah for sure but <laughs> But it's so fun. I mean, we have one that's like, you know, show off something cool. So, like, we have stuff in the studio that people send in all the time. Um, And so we get to show off our cool collections that we have. And we have one that's just switch hats. You know, like, if somebody's in the studio with me, like, you know, just have to change hats with them or something silly like that. So. That's very very cool. Yeah, it's fun. And, like, the streamer friends we have now... um, a lot of them are very vocal about mental health. And I think that's so Mm -hmm. cool. And it's just not, it wasn't the norm before I got on Twitch, you know, to talk about mental health. Yeah, totally. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, so, um, I was pretty like impressed when I first heard your voice because you don't sound like anybody else. Um, you definitely have like oh. your own style. Um, do you like, you. you're very like, I feel like when you sing, you become super vulnerable. Like you're showing your soul. Like I really do. And, uh, is there, is there like something to that? Like, do you mean to do that? Is that something that just comes out when you start singing or what? Well, wow. That's very nice. First of all, <laughs> um, it definitely, <laughs> I feel like, singing when i'm singing my songs i definitely do feel like it is vulnerable i don't think it's something i do on purpose but i do feel like i've always felt like the most myself when i'm singing Mm -hmm. um so i feel like whenever i'm like having an existential crisis or something (laughs) like that um, i kind of ground myself like coming back to like this thing that i love that feels like me i hear that so yeah, it definitely does feel vulnerable, but I also just think it's like my my soul's favorite thing to do. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm glad to hear that that comes out because it does mean a lot to me. So it, yeah, when I showed you to my wife, um, I was I don't even remember what song it was, but she was like that. She's like she has been hurt before. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think the funny thing, too, is, like, I actually, I feel like generally I'm, like, a pretty, I'm a pretty happy person, and all of my songs are very, well, pretty much all of them are pretty dark, Yeah. and my parents are 
for like, we're worried about you. You know, people are always like, you okay? And I always get these comments like, oh no, you poor thing. And I'm like, really, I do feel fine. I guess I, I am an emotional person. I'm very sensitive. So I do have a lot of feelings, yeah. but I don't feel that way all the time. <laughs> well, I think, yeah. I think it's like, if it's like, I'm not speaking for you, but for me, like the podcast is a release valve. And so it, you know, when you talk about dark stuff or like, you know, stuff that's really like existential dread or like, you know, I, I talk a lot about anxiety because for a while, yeah. um, I didn't know I had a GI bleed and it was causing a chemical imbalance. And so mm-hmm. I was just super anxious. Like I would wake up in the middle of the night, couldn't breathe and would be like freaking out and felt like, you know, impending doom, like just for an hour yeah. or two and my heart rate would spike and it was just terrifying. And then, you know, for a long time because of like having COVID and having anxiety on top of that, because of the GI bleed, I didn't even know I had, I had like PTSD and yeah. like, I just had a flare up of it a couple of weeks ago and, you know, would just wake up and sit up, feel lightheaded, like I was going to pass out. And then my brain is screaming, like, something's wrong, you know, like, you're going to die. Like, yeah. <laughs> even though nothing was wrong with me. And, you know, yeah. it was just terrifying. But I talked about it, and I had a whole episode about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are like, man, you know, I'm so sorry to hear, like, your life has just been so terrible lately. And I'm like, it hasn't. That was just me, <laughs> like, my releasing that negativity out you know like i feel like if we put it out there we don't have to deal with it as much like on the in like internally if that makes sense yeah no it does make sense i totally feel the same way i feel like it's i i was thinking about this i wrote this song like recently and i i just felt like i let go of things i've been holding on to for like a really long time and i I could like actually feel it when i finished the song so i totally get what you're saying and that makes a lot of yeah, totally. Why? Well, I know you. Yeah. You know you talk about um, being kind of like raised in church, like the church setting and stuff. Um, it's funny because you know if you read like Psalms, like King David, he will start off ranting about something, and his song, mm-hmm. like when he's writing a song and he's singing, and then by the end he's like, you know, but you know I shouldn't complain. Everything is great. Da da da. You know, it's just so funny because. You know, that's how I, I feel sometimes. Like, I'll I'll be so depressed, and then I'll listen to a song, and at the end, I'm like, oh, what was I saying? Like, what was I upset about? Like, I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, totally. I guess it's just a human, you know, brain. Like, we need that, like, disconnect from, like, our reality a little bit to, like, feel better. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And music is special. I mean, it as long as there's been humans, there's been music. You know what I mean? Every time we make, like, a new, like, finding of, like, a uh, an person that's older than what we thought, then we usually discover some kind of musical item or something, you know, near them or whatever. And mm-hmm. the fact that I feel like music is so tied to emotion um, – And that's what, like, when I hear you sing, like, you know, I feel emotional, even if I'm not sad or even if I'm not upset, you know. And so to have that power, like, that's incredible, I think. Wow. (laughs) Sorry to make you feel emotional. 
<laughs> no, no. I mean, it's good. I mean, that's awesome because, like, <laughs> I know this is going to sound stupid, but um, I can remember the moment that I heard Bedrock by <laughs> Young Money for the first time. I was. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting in my my Chevy Malibu in the parking lot of Southeastern University, which is like you know a university in Oklahoma, and yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. And um, then it started pouring rain, and I remember hearing that song, and I can like I can smell rain when I hear that song. Like it's so weird, but because you know I had to walk like a quarter mile to my freaking dorm because there was no parking on my side, so I had to run through the rain All after right. hearing that song. So you know the emotions were <laughs> running high, anger. <laughs> I have. So I was driving one time back from the beach with my friend, and it was the summer that the um, the MIA song, the Fly Like Paper, Get High Like Plane, was out. And so that song was on the radio, and then we got into a car accident. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, we were both fine. We, like, drove off the highway, but off to the, whatever we call this thing, ditch or whatever. Uh, we were like driving off the highway as we got, you know, in the car. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Um, I was trying to think, like, we were in a car wreck when I was younger, and um, uh, Michael W. Smith was on the radio or on the CD <laughs> that my parents were listening to. And yes. the car, like, it was smoking because we got rear-ended like we were in traffic and we slowed down and this little truck pulled in front of this big dually truck with a trailer on the back and they slammed into the back of us and we had just gotten groceries so there was like milk sprayed everywhere okay. and mm-hmm. michael w smith was just like playing and it was just like oh my god like he was i don't remember what the song was but i just remember hearing him like talk about how you know good life is and everything and how happy and like loving he felt and i was just like like ah, you know and my mom was like turn that crap off like you know like, you don't hear that right now and so forever when I, yeah whenever i hear i can't even like i couldn't even listen to him for like years after that at all like even if you know i heard him on like uh a radio or of a car driving by i was like oh no <laughs> yeah oh my gosh old michael w yeah but yeah i uh um i want to touch on that later like the whole like deconstructing movement um and kind of get your thoughts on like all of that um and the Mm -hmm. meaning behind your song um cheaper kind Mm -hmm. but uh Mm -hmm. first i have to know because it's been eating at me and i didn't know how to transition into this but um sure have you solved the googly eye mystery yet? No, I haven't. And thank you for asking about that. No, I haven't. And I so I walk around. First of all, I work from home, right? Yeah. So my window faces the street mm-hmm. where this is all occurring. And just so that everyone knows what's happening. Somebody in my neighborhood, I live in Asheville, North Carolina. It's a fun, weird place. Um, has been putting googly eyes on all of the mailboxes, also the trash cans. They've appeared on fire hydrants, just everywhere. I could not figure out who's doing it, but I, I face the 
street, right, all day as I'm working. Yeah. And I also walk my dog like, twice a day around the neighborhood. And I, I'm just blown away that I've not been able to catch the culprit. And they have still been doing it because every time I walk a little further, yeah. the reach has has grown. So <laughs> they're getting bold. And I just I cannot figure out who it is. That's hilarious. So I know. I just feel like, I mean, maybe they're doing it in the night. That's really the only thing that I can think. Because yeah. I think if it was during the I would have ha- I would have seen them. Yeah. It makes me maybe. wonder if it's like one person or if it's like a group of friends that are doing it. I don't know. I really don't know. And this, so uh, we had a new neighbor move in across the street mm-hmm. and then all of this started happening. So that was my most solid theory. I was like, we never had googly eyes and we got a new neighbor and now we have them. <laughs> so maybe, hey, we're in the neighborhood now. Yeah, but funny. I but I don't even think it's them. So I really don't know. I don't know who's behind it. And now, like, because it's becoming more known, probably, I mean, obviously people are going to be seeing this if it's spreading that fast. Um, now you're going to have copycats. So you're going to have people that are like, this is a fun idea, and they're going to start doing it. So now it's going to be even harder to find out who started it. I was tempted to start doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did notice there were some. So the first, uh, this is real technical, but the very first uh, uh, incident, the, they were all pretty small. Yeah. And I did notice that some have been getting bigger so i thought maybe it is a copycat now yeah so yeah somebody went to a different michaels and got some googly eyes exactly (laughs) yeah before long they'll be like you know two inches like just putting them everywhere (laughs) yeah that would be amazing yeah honestly like it's like i you know i have a pretty quiet life here you know i work from home i really like like I listen to a lot of true crime and stuff, but nothing really, you know, terribly mm-hmm. insane or dramatic happens in my in my own life. So when happened, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most exciting thing <laughs> that has like, happened. Finally, <laughs> finally, some action around <laughs> the sleepy town. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. We, as long as it's not destructive to property, I feel like it's in it's in good fun, and I love that kind of stuff. We have um, a guy that came from oakland california and um Mm -hmm. apparently every city he visits or grows through he um paints these they're like two inches long and about an inch wide and um Mm -hmm. little pieces of wood that he's cut and then he paints gnomes like um you know little little men gnomes little old women gnomes and he um drills them into the base of the power lines like around town so, like, all that. downtown in alleys and stuff, there are a bunch of little gnomes, like, at the base of all these, like, all throughout town. That's amazing. Yeah. I would love to do something like that. I need to figure out what my uh, what my version of gnomes and googly eyes would be. <laughs> it's funny, though, because, like, my kids, like, every time we go to, like, we'll go downtown to shop or something, and they'll get out of the car, and they'll be like, look, look, there's another one. You know, it's, like, a really fun seek-and-find thing. Yes, that's awesome. And he, he said the only reason he did it is just to spread joy. So I just thought that was cool. Yeah, and it does. I feel like every time I see one of those googly eyes, I'm like smiling to myself. I love it. Yeah. We I used to that's work awesome. construction, and they put big, giant, I mean, they were like huge, about the size of a uh, like a basketball on the front end of the um, – backhoe 
and it, it mm-hmm. was hilarious every time every time we would dig i would just sit there and like the jurassic park theme would play in my head oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> so what are your hobbies outside of singing and playing guitar um well you know some people don't consider watching tv a hobby but i do i watch a lot of tv yeah. i really enjoy it um i i like yeah. I do journal. What are you watching? Mm-hmm. Like recently? Well, I yeah, I started watching this show on HBO called The Nevers, mm. and I think I have like one episode left, and that's really good. And then I'm planning to start White Lotus because, of course, that's what everyone is talking about mm-hmm. right now. So feels like I need to watch that. Um, yeah. Do you I ever get like? like show hangovers when you finish in like a series? I mean, I mostly just get really sad. I watched um, this one show called Maniac. It has like Jonah Hill in it and like Emma, um, Emma Stone. Yeah. Have you heard of that show? Uh, oh no, my I gosh, it was. But I, uh, I used to was, crush on her really hard. Yeah. She's very crush worthy. Um, it was the coolest show. It was, so interesting very different and i was obsessed with it and it's like a mini series and when it ended i well first of all i wept because i loved vietnam i was very sad (laughs) and i also was so distraught that it was over and there would never be a show like that again so i guess yeah would call that a show (laughs) that's kind of like how i felt with when how i met your mother ended like it'd been on for so long but it was like yeah, depressing because it's like I will never get to see a new adventure with these characters ever again. Yeah, it's hard. I feel like they become really real to to us, and mm. yeah, yeah, especially it's like when, when you're stuck at home in the pandemic, it's really easily become attached to like fictional characters. I'm just speaking from totally. experience. <laughs> Definitely. The worst part <laughs> is when you get attached, like after one or two seasons, and then they cancel the show without without like there being a wrap up it's just you know oh yeah it's over now and there was a cliffhanger and oh. you'll just have to wonder for the rest of your life what happened yep i hate that there was some show i was watching it was a really dark mysterious show and they had like two seasons and it was like a murder mystery and they um ended it before they solved like oh, the mystery yeah. and i sucks. was this is the worst thing anyone could ever do yeah. we'll never know now and there's no ending it's awful uh. That's yeah. terrible. I don't know. My my daughter yeah. got really ticked because we had a uh we had like a movie night where I showed them I think we watched two movies and it was like I can't remember what series it was. This was like a year ago, but we watched the first and second and then it kinda you know, and she's like, All right, next one and I'm like, There's not a next one. They never made a next one. That it was a box office flop. And she was like you're kidding. I'm like, no. And she got really mad. She That's said, this awful. isn't fair. I'm like, yeah, no. Hey, Trust me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, what genre would you say that you fall in when you, like, with your music? If any. That's a good question. I, I sometimes I call it, like, singer-songwriter technically that's like a genre yeah and then sometimes i just say like indie folk yeah. which 
but like there I feel like a lot of the artists I really like they just get labeled as like like I think even Stevie Rogers gets like labeled as like alternative mm-hmm. which I don't know that's kind of like I think what people say when they don't really know where it goes yeah it's a catch-all so yeah I feel like I usually say like indie folk but I don't know if that's the best way to describe it but that's kind of where I settle <laughs> yeah yeah folk music yeah. is really big you know where I'm from um it's kind of like a that and country music, which, you know, it makes, like, I, I appreciate country music, but it's it's one of those things where mm-hmm. when you try to collect vinyl and you want to collect anything other than country, yeah, good luck in Oklahoma. Oh, gosh, yeah, that makes sense. Because all the rap and rock and pop are all already owned by some collector. Yeah. So there's, like, 8,000 yeah. records of Barbara Streisand and every Goodwill <laughs> in Oklahoma. That's it. Yeah. But yeah, um yeah, I would say that pretty much describes you. Um singer songwriter to me is another kind of catch all for a lot of people. They they like to put them in mm-hmm. like they're like, You don't sound like like anybody in pop and you don't really you know, you're not hard enough to be considered any kind of soft rock, so we'll just put you here. Um, yeah. I also feel like weirdly um, women get put in that category all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's just like, oh, she's a girl. She's singing. She's a singer songwriter. Yeah. But I mean, technically, the description fits. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's and like it's almost a crime to leave your genre now. I mean, now it's starting to get better. Like, I mean, Post Malone and people like him are kind of breaking down barriers. But, um, you know the. For instance, um, Zach Brown Band, you know, like he made a, a non-country album and people went insane. Like they totally, you know, boycotted him and stuff. And he was going through a divorce. Like he wasn't feeling right, you know, like let the man experiment, you know. Yeah. See, I feel like there was kind of pushback when Taylor Swift went like really, really pop. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you just got to, as long as you own it, I mean... I guess her fans are obviously on another level, but they seem to follow. I mean, I actually am a fan too, but mm-hmm. they seem to follow her no matter what she does. So I guess it kind of depends. But I feel like country fans, they can be a little tough. I yeah. feel like they, I feel I could see why he would get some flack for that. But yeah. And, and I hate to say it, but it's easier to have your um, debut album come out as country, like in the markets mm-hmm. than it is pop. Cause I mean, everyone's pop you know like you could make an argument for 90 percent of the music that comes out today that it could be labeled as some sort of pop and so like i mean even country you know there's there's a lot of that that argument yeah yeah totally so i mean a lot of people will come out as country and then as soon as they get money and you know like a record deal they're not gonna they're gonna be you know independent like uh I mean, not independent, but um, like you said, alternative. Mm-hmm. You see that Absolutely. all the time, especially with women. I think it's very hard. Well, it's getting better, especially with independent being on the rise. Like a lot of people are doing their own thing because of YouTube and TikTok. Um, they're mm-hmm. you know making money on their own. Like Tom McDonald, love him or hate him, you know the dude's figured out the the whole system when it comes to YouTube music. I mean, he's making millions of dollars on YouTube and. Um, he's doing it by himself. 
I hate to say it. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Looks good for him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a controversial white rapper. Like, oh. he raps about, like, oh, yeah. social issues and stuff. Um, he. I don't know who that is. Yeah, it's... Um, once you hear him, though, like, and see him, like, he's got tattoos all over his face and stuff. Like, he's very hard to not see. And then YouTube will... Okay him on your recommended no matter what so okay. <laughs> but um, yeah um yeah he, the thing that like and i think he falls into the trap of he knows that if he raps about you know race or politics you know or like the left or right like he knows that it's going to get him like a 100 million views but mm. he falls into that trap of now I don't know that he knows how to make music that's not controversial and just be himself and like rap about his life. And, yeah. And I think that can become a problem. I've seen a lot of artists fall into that where they're like, they, they try so hard to pander to what people are asking for that they forget that, you know, they got into this to like express themselves. Yeah, that is very true. I feel like it's hard to, um, it's hard not to think about like oh what are people gonna like when you do something and mm -hmm. i feel like i catch myself doing that sometimes i'm like oh well, if i write this this seems like something people would relate to but it never really goes the way that you want it to <laughs> so it's yeah, better just to... yeah well, i definitely know what you mean <laughs> and i know it's not like <clears throat> like uh you know like oh yeah this is totally like music but with the podcast world um you know if you don't have like a very niche idea like original idea you can fall into a category where you will never get a listen other than people that know you and um yeah it's easy for me to get you know three thousand four thousand listens an episode if i talk to a local person from my town um and that's what i started out with because mm -hmm. i honestly didn't think anybody would want to be on the podcast because where i'm <laughs> from I'm lucky if people know what a podcast is still oh, gosh. in 2021. And, you know, there's 6,000, like 6,000 and a half people that live here. Um, oh, yeah, that's pretty small. Yeah, we're 30 minutes away from Norman, which is where OU plays, um, and like 45 from Oklahoma City. Um, so, okay. I mean, we're not, which is like the big, you know, one of the biggest uh, metropolises in Oklahoma. But um, so we're not that far from like huge crowds, but. Um, it's very funny because, you know, people are like, I love listening when I know who's on. And I'm like, that would be the easiest thing to do is for me to just talk to a bunch of local people that everybody knows. But, um, yeah, I want to diversify. I wanted to, the whole reason behind the podcast was to talk to interesting people about interesting things that I wanted to, you know, know about. Like, as long as it's interesting to me, I feel like it'll be interesting to other people. And yeah. You know, I've talked to people that not a lot of people knew. Like, I mean, like even like little name people that, you know, like an an artist, I mean, a, a, not an artist, a, a author who, you know, mm -hmm. nobody from around here knows. And it's the least listened to episode. But to me, it was one of my favorites because, you know, I got to talk to someone that I didn't know anything about. And then she helped me write my first book, you know, and oh, wow. yeah, and it's just a collection of poetry about my sister dying at a young age, but it was very important to get that out. And, you know, yeah, I'd always been holding on to it, but, you know, I was scared that people, you know, what people, like, what if people pick it apart, you know? And uh, she told yeah. me, don't worry about that. Yeah. 
Wow. So yeah, I, very it's, cool. It's very, it's, you know, you you never know, like when you stop doing it, like if I just based it upon what everybody, you know, that I think would want to hear, I don't think mm-hmm. it would be what I had set out to do. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, I and think that you bothers gotta me. Yeah. yeah. I think you got yourself on stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's why I like your music. Cause <clears throat> there's, you know, some of the songs that you write are not like something that you would necessarily hear on just every channel of the radio. Like, your your mm-hmm. flow is different sometimes than than um, what you hear on most songs, and I love that because everything like I feel like every other song is super different than the next, you know. Thank you. <laughs> and so that's kind of it's very hard because you know even as someone who used to make music, um, it's hard not to fall in the trap of producing the same kind of sounding stuff. Cause you kind of get into mm-hmm. a, you know, you get in your groove and then all of a sudden you're like, man, every song sounds the same to me now. <laughs> yeah. It's actually funny that you would say that because I had this whole thing. I don't even really know how to explain it, but during the pandemic, I could literally only write songs in the same key. Like they were all yeah. on the third capo and they were all the same exact chords. And there was like something just like stuck in my brain and that was literally all that I could do. So I, I always joke that I could put up just one giant medley of all the songs you wrote during the pandemic that would be kind of cool though yeah just for a minute but um i think you're back now okay cool but yeah it would be it'd be kind of neat to like release an album with like a like you know 30 minutes of a medley of all the songs that you wrote during mm-hmm. the pandemic and just be like pandemic music. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely yeah. something I could do. A series I could do on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it would be cool, you know, uh, and then Bo Burnham kind of did it, but, um, you know, like a, a, an album where, you know, you start off really bright and cheery and then by the last song you like, you know, you slowly go mad, <laughs> like all the music, and then just call it, you know, being stuck inside during a pandemic. But then Bo Burnham kind of mm-hmm. did that. So I was like, man, stole my idea. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he had been working on it way before I thought of that. <laughs> so yep. how did COVID and the pandemic affect you? Like you say you work from home. Did you work from home before? No, I didn't. Um, we were actually living in Seattle, Washington, and um, it really changed everything. I was working as a nanny at the time, mm-hmm. um, and then when it hit, the kids, um, you know, they came home, <laughs> so yeah. that they didn't really need me. Um, and so I actually started a business. I do. Um, web design and stuff um so i you know i didn't have a job and i um took a bunch of online classes started doing website started a little business and then we ended up moving back to the east coast pretty much because of everything because we were um you know we were pretty much at home for like 
a year and some change and um everything in seattle was pretty shut down um yeah and so we were like well we are paying a it's an expensive city we're paying a lot to live here and we can't do anything and our family is really far all both of our families are back on the east coast we're like they're really far in case something would happen so we ended up moving (laughs) to Asheville, uh like not that long ago but um yeah, it it really changed a lot. I you know changed my job, changed my location. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. Well, I in March was working for a place that filled any kind of um, like bottles. So like acetylene for um, welding torches, um, you know, oxygen for hospitals and all this stuff, and then. You know, we kind of were life as usual, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, there's this this thing coming around. It's probably going to be like H1N1 or you know um, mm-hmm. something like that, where it affects like just a small portion, and we probably won't see it here because we live in a smaller town." And um, yeah, so they kind of just said, "Wash your hands. You know, make sure that if you talk to customers, that you just you know don't get in their face, and like if you touch their pen or whatever, or they touch your pen, just wash it off." So I was like, okay. Yeah. So we went life as normal. And then um, April 2nd or 3rd um, is when they were like, okay, you know, things are getting serious. Um, We Mm -hmm. don't have the demand because nobody's welding. Everybody's staying at home. So there's a lockdown coming and we need to go to a skeleton crew. So I had had worked there the least amount of time. And so I was the first mm-hmm. one to get let go. And then they went down to like, you know, three or four people working at all. And, and then just the office yeah. ladies, but they all worked from home. So um, mm-hmm. then I was like, well, crap, I can't just sit at home. Um, and so I started door dashing and, you know, like that became super, super um, important financially because my wife yeah. was going to. Uh, nursing school at the time when all this happened and uh so yeah so she wasn't able to work and it was just that was what we lived off of for almost the entirety of last year wow yeah yeah so but working from home and then doing the podcast like we started the podcast you know because i didn't have a job and i was bored and Mm -hmm. so yeah, the, a guy I had I'd barely I known most of my life, but didn't really talk to. He messaged me and he was talking about some idea, and I was like, "You should do a podcast." And he was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't know how and all this stuff." And then I was like, "Well, I do, you know, I can show you how." Not thinking that I would get suckered into it. And then mm-hmm. and then he he was like, "Yeah, you know, well, uh, would you do it with me?" So then. uh we started meeting and he was like, let's just meet at a restaurant and then we'll kind of talk about it. And then it became, we recorded in a restaurant and diners and that's why yeah. we came up with our name. Mm-hmm. And so, that's- yeah, it was, it was cool. I, I made it work. Um, even though sometimes mm-hmm. my wife thought I was insane. <laughs> She's like, I don't know what we're doing financially. This is scary. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but we'll make it work. And then, you know, Money started flowing in from book sales and all kinds of stuff this last year or this year. So um, I've found a way to work from home. But I will tell you one thing. Well, I will not homeschool again. 
No, that's very stressful. <laughs> yeah, I love my children, but like I'm used to seeing them all summer and then, you know, four hours before bedtime um, during the school year. And we were all trapped. So my wife was gone and it was just me with three kids all day, every day, seven days a week. I cannot even imagine. And you can't take them anywhere to let them get their energy out because, you know, COVID. So we were like, you know, I was like, please go run laps around the house, please. <laughs> I know. What a nightmare. I really feel like it was, you know, staying home was like definitely better for some people than others. Cause I feel like, you know, we had it pretty good, but we don't have any kids or anything. Yeah. Just small dog. But I still was going crazy, so I can't even imagine if I had a bunch of kids or anything. <laughs> well, yeah. without the kids being here, because they weren't, you know, they didn't get quarantined and everything uh, when I did. So at first I was like, I've been preparing my whole life for this, you know, as an introvert. Like, you know, staying yeah, home. Totally. I have a mass of books and video games that I haven't played and music I haven't got to listen to so so for the first month I was like man I am you know doing all the things I have been putting off and then after that it was like okay uh I I miss going places I miss you know just doing normal human things and being on a schedule that was the hardest part was getting back into the groove of things yeah totally been a weird time (laughs) yeah and it I mean, I think we all kind of grew as people. Some of us not as well. <laughs> some some of us have become more um, unintelligent, I would say. But uh, for some of us, it was very eye-opening. So um, before we go, I would I was going to kind of circle back and, um, you know, just talk mm-hmm. about, like, I'll kind of tell you my story, and then I want to hear the story behind Cheaper Kind. Okay. If you feel comfortable sharing that. Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, I grew up a pastor's kid. Um, Well, my dad was a youth minister, like, most of my life, and then he became a pastor, like, near the last couple years of my high school. Um, So I was raised in church, and we -hmm. we were part of the Southern Baptist Church, uh, branch and um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of problems with that but I mean for the most part when I was younger it was just you know I thought everybody was kind everybody was loving you know and um, there was no politics or whatever but uh, so I'm having to unlearn a bunch of toxic stuff that was like drilled into my head as a kid um, I wouldn't say that it, like my per- or I wouldn't say that my personal experience is like deconstruction. Like I see a lot mm-hmm. of that on TikTok, you know, talking about deconstruction and all this stuff. I think mine is more of like a unpacking and reorganizing and uh, mm-hmm. kind of finding out who God is apart from organized religion and all the terrible things that are associated with that. Mm-hmm. And so it was really, it took me a long time to like even look at, people the same way um because of all the stuff that i had found out about people that i looked up to my whole life yeah and it was really hard because you know when you grow up and thinking someone is like super cool and they're there for you and everything they do for you is you know out of the kindness of their heart and then when you find out that that's not the case it is super traumatic especially for someone 
you know, who's just like early, like twenties, like eighteen, nineteen. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very. I mean, it it kind of changed my whole viewpoint on life, and it took me a long time to like have faith in humanity. Yeah. And so, like, that makes sense. It, it was. It was definitely. It, it's taken like you know. Still to this day, I'm trying to figure out where I stand on things and learning things and you know um kind of like trying to do better to my children than was done better to me and like <laughs> my parents never did anything like to corrupt me like let's just say that like they were always you know they showed me like we don't i didn't know that there was a difference between black people and white people like according to the world like i didn't know that when growing up like i i just thought those were people like my parents did a very good job of of um you know like teaching me to just respect people for people and you know not letting people walk all over you but always giving people like a benefit of the doubt at first mm-hmm. and so um like it it was they were really good to me it was the people outside of that like teachers and stuff that really screwed me up for a long time and so i want to know like what's the story behind your song um, well, I grew up, uh, my parents both were raised Southern Baptist. So oh, okay. when I was younger, that, what? I said, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was very deeply ingrained in them. And, mm-hmm. um, when I was younger, I did go to Baptist church, but then we, um, when my family, we moved to Orlando, we were kind of in like a non-denominational church. Yeah. Um, and it was like a very evangelical church um that's what i was raised in and i was also homeschooled so every like social interaction came from church and every influence and um my parents have changed like a lot but at the time it was like you know anything that was quote-unquote like worldly like really scared them so Mm. i feel like the information that we got was very restricted the internet was different back then. It didn't really exist. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, had access to like other viewpoints or other ways of living and anybody that you saw that was like, you know, not in the church or whatever, you, you were just taught like they were bad and they were going to hell and they're mm-hmm. not really happy faking it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's how I grew up. And I, I really felt that way for a long time. And then I moved to, um, Nashville when I was I think 21 um and you know all of a sudden I was like away from home I had all of this like freedom and I just started like meeting different people and like being out of that environment and then meeting people that were different than me and I just like I don't know I feel like the the whole like deconstruction I didn't even know that was happening or what that really was or you know it's kind of become like a I mean it's a good word to describe it but it's also kind of like a buzzword mm-hmm. um so yeah I just feel like for the first time I was like experiencing different things different people and being like oh actually not everything I was taught is true and yeah. um yeah and then let's see that song um well, it's a true story. I was baptized in a lake, um, <laughs> but I was like five or six. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, and I think 
you know, I was angsty in my in my twenties. I wrote that song a few like six years ago. Um, and I think it was like the first time I was like admitting to myself, like, okay, maybe I don't feel this way. It still felt really scary mm-hmm. to, you know, at the time my family was all still very religious, very unaccepting of anything outside of that. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really feel like I could admit that, you know, what was happening, but I did sing about it. So looking back, I'm like, I feel like that was probably the start of, you know, that journey for, for me, just being like, Oh, you know, this actually hurt. And not all of this is true. And I don't really relate to this anymore, which is really scary because that was my entire life for so long. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that answers your question. It's like kind of vague, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It totally registers with me. I mean, like, I feel like we have similar past as far as that's concerned because a lot of the time, like as I got older, I started finding out on my own that, you know, the people that say that they love a God that's all loving, yet they're so full of hate and resentment for mm-hmm. other people that are different than them, didn't register. Like, that did not make sense to me. Like, they couldn't compute that. I was just like, okay, um, that's what your basis, like, of your whole life is on, is on this one, this one, um, this one trait that you're supposed to have, and you're nothing like it. Um, so either mm. what you're telling me like, like about God is false or you are just doing this because it's like a country club, you know, like everybody's just wanting to be a part because it's what everybody else does. And so, yeah, it was very like to find that out on your own, um, like through the years, I think was easier for me because I kind of saw it kind of unraveling and I kept pulling on that thread. But I can't imagine, Mm -hmm. like, going out into the world. Like, I wasn't as sheltered. And so Mm -hmm. my parents did allow me to kind of, like, learn things. Like, I mean, of course, like, we watched a ton of VeggieTales. And, like, we rented movies from the church, um, (laughs) uh, you know. Like, so they were all, like, censored or whatever. But but I did have, like, you know, friends and stuff that would bring over stuff. And my parents did watch other stuff. So, I mean, it... You know, I have a friend that was raised to where they had a box on their TV that would, like, bleep out any movie, like, any bad words, anything that wasn't, you know, like, was against God, was um, any kind of sexual reference, even kissing. It would, like, bleep it off their VHS tape. And and they were told that, uh, you know, that they couldn't watch Harry Potter because they were witches and potions. And then he... he, uh, he was showing me this clip. He sent me a clip of a this comedian and he's like, yeah, I was raised, you know, to where Harry Potter was evil and wiz- wizards and witches were evil. And it's like, but now my mom's like, whenever I have a headache, she's like, put some lavender on it. And he's like, that's a potion, Karen. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, that's funny. Yeah. you know, you, you, when you see all of the inconsistencies and the just, blatant lies that people believe it's very hard to like just walk blindly towards things. I think like my kids, I, I um, encourage them to ask questions and question everything because I feel like if you follow anything blindly, then you're going to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like for us, it just wasn't even an option. Like I think, and you know, I'm not trying to like blame anybody, but I think like my parents were, 
you know, you try to do the best for your kids. They were oh, yeah. young and they, they were like, they didn't want us to go to hell, you know, yeah. they're just afraid. So well, they like, were, yeah, they were scared. Uh, that's yeah, the whole there point. Wasn't any other, yeah, there was no like questioning or, you know, any question you had, you, you know, you could find the answer in the Bible for sure. Or, you know, you just weren't wise enough to know it or yeah. it's unknowable. So, yeah, there really wasn't any room for it. There was no world where you weren't in the fold. <laughs> Yeah. So well, and you see that a lot, yeah. like a lot of problems with the Mormons, um, like with you see a lot of things bubble up when they're older because they suppress every thought that is unclean when they're younger. And then, you know, like when they're older, they'll, you know, abuse women or, you know, like there'll be some kind of rape case and it's because they've been taught that their body is unclean and that anything, any kind of desire that they have is just evil and that you should just suppress it. And that's not, that's not healthy. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely not. If you teach your kids like that, any thought that they have that isn't directly about the Bible is wrong, then they're going to start changing the way that their brain works and they're going to, you know, they're going to think that they're not worthy and that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Cause if you're like, you know, yeah, Oh, I, well you, you don't, you know, you didn't, you didn't want to wake up to go to church today. Oh, you're going to hell. You know, like that's an unclean <laughs> thought. Like your kid's going to start doubting themselves at an early age. Totally. And I, I was back like that. I feel like one of the core things that I learned or was taught growing up in church was like, you know, everybody's born evil. Everybody is wicked. Every, you know, they always talk about that. Like even the little baby is born wicked. And I'm like, that is such a terrible thing for a child to grow up thinking like that. They're just bad. Like that they Mm -hmm. can't do anything on their own. Just a bat. They're wicked if they don't have God, you know? And I feel like that's a little trauma waiting to happen for you. (laughs) Yeah. And it's very contradictory because they also say that if a baby dies, they go to heaven because they're innocent. But if everyone's born with sin, then that can't be. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is, like, I started seeing the inconsistencies. And, and I, I, like, I didn't see them in the Bible as much as I saw them in people, if that makes sense. Like, people, mm-hmm. I felt like people were using religion to get one over and to get rich off of, you know, people that don't read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I used to watch, you know, this preacher jesse Duplantis, when i was younger because he was funny you know and i thought oh man he can really tell a story but then i realized that you know he's the kind of guy that's like oh um i have a private jet even though some of my congregation is dirt poor because i need it to spread the gospel and they don't and you know like if you need if you want a bentley then just go put your hands on it pray for it and if god wants you to have it you'll get it and I'm like, where does it say that? <laughs> yeah. So definitely some weird. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of trauma like from that because you know I got told that any and a bit like any any of my passions like if it wasn't for or about the church was you know just me being of the flesh so like pursuing music outside of Christian music or pursuing a podcast or any of these stuff is a waste of my talents and. I'm leading people astray. And it's like, that's not, I don't feel like that's right. Like, I don't feel like you just teach kids that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so it just like, when I heard your song, I was really like, 
hey, uh, you know, I, I totally get where she's coming from on this. <laughs> and yeah. It, it's rough. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's it's cool to see. I would like when I put it out there, I didn't, I didn't really think it would be like super relatable. You know, it seems like pretty specific. Yeah. But it's just like the response and how many people feel that way. It's mm-hmm. cool to find that community, and I I think it's important because you know I don't feel like I had that when I was experiencing you know losing my faith or whatever. But like. um yeah, I think it's really encouraging to see people like come together and, you know, that the, for lack of a better word, the like deconstruction community is very positive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, and that's, yeah, that's the thing is like, I've seen, I think most of, of them, and I know there's a couple, there's always fringe people on the group that, you know, of any, of any crowd that are like crazy about things. But um, for the most part, they're just like anti-hate and anti-bigotry. And that is important. Yeah. And I think that's where the church has failed. Like this last generation, like our generation is like the lost generation because they have told us that if you're not the cookie uh, cookie cutter version of what a Christian was in the eighties, then you Mm -hmm. are like, then you're going to be hated by the church. And that is sad because, you know, like, I have some, I have a lot of friends that are, you know, homosexual or, you know, non-binary. And it's just the hate that they have dealt with since they were like five, six years old. It's just head scratching to me. Like when I was growing up, I didn't like see anybody get mistreated like that. You know, I didn't like, I don't know it to me that didn't exist. And then when I got older, I was horrified by all the stuff that was going on, you know, and. And people being treated bad because, you know, they're they're an immigrant. Like, you know, it's like Jesus wasn't from America. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know why you're talking crap. Like, he wasn't white either, so I don't understand. But anyways. Totally. I feel like we could probably both talk about that for hours. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I, I feel like it's good that you put your heart out there. And because I, I really do. I feel like a lot of people are like me. There's a lot more of us out there that have been hurt and it kind of gives us comfort to know that someone else feels that way yeah 100 percent. yeah i love that people can be like oh my gosh i had these questions and i felt like i was alone and now you know they can connect with their friends on the internet yeah yeah it's <laughs> so funny it's gonna be a- yeah yeah i feel like there's one of the i think it's dirty rotten church kids maybe um, I think their slogan is like, it's, it's all going to be okay or something, which yeah. I, I love. Cause I like, that's the main message you need to know when you're coming out of religion, you're coming out of church. Cause you don't, you feel like, Oh no, now I'm going to go to hell or all this stuff. And you're like, actually you're going to be fine. It's yeah. going to be okay. <laughs> we all don't know yeah. anything as a human race. Yeah. Like as, as humans, we don't know crap and we pretend that we know everything. And that's when it, get that's when it becomes toxic um mm-hmm. that's why i love this podcast because i get to talk to people that i have no idea what they're talking about when they first start talk to me like when we first start off the podcast like i talked to a guy who was um who had studied at harvard and was oh, wow. he's a professor and he talked over my head for the first five minutes and i was like this is gonna end horribly because i'm gonna sound so <laughs> stupid but he was just a dude and he had a story yeah. and it was awesome. And, and, um, 
So, I mean, I learned so much from him, you know, just in that two hours that we talked that it was, it was crazy and people don't listen enough. And that's why I love like this podcast. I'm hoping people, at least one person will hear this and be like, you know, people are interesting no matter where they come from or who they are. Like everybody has a story to tell. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So like I said, as long as I have one person listen, um, and, uh, you know, even maybe change the way they think about a certain group, then I feel like I've done my job. Uh, yeah. We had a panel of women um, in the studio, including my wife. Um, there was three ladies, and they, uh, it, we called it the panel of power, and we talked about stuff that's hard to talk about right now, you know, um, like social rights and, you know, police brutality and all this stuff that was really hot at the moment. And um, I feel like it's been going on for a while. And uh, I was terrified to put that out there because, you know, that is easy pickings for people to, like, just pick apart and be hateful about. But it's been our most popular episode. And I've had so many people message me and be like, um, you know, what they said was awesome. And I'm so glad you gave them a mouthpiece. I'm like, Hey, it wasn't me. Like they're the ones who were talking. I was just lucky enough to have them in the room recording. But, um, you know, I think that that's one of the things that I hope that like people will take away from this episode too, is, you know, be careful with your words. Um, um, children, uh, are very impressionable and don't teach hate to them. You know, like, don't teach that just because someone's different that they're going to hell. Like, it's not okay. Like, that can really hurt them later in life, too. Yeah, totally. And learn how to play freaking piano when you are when you get the chance from your mom. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Same school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be hilarious if uh, somebody called in on the show uh, next week and said, Hey, uh, I want to admit to being the googly eye bandit or whatever you want to call them uh, i mean part of me doesn't want the, the mystery to be over but part <laughs> of me is like i do feel like i need to know who's doing it <laughs> yeah i totally feel yeah. like maybe we should start that here just like randomly like <laughs> and be like oh yeah it started from north carolina north carolina and went all the way down to oklahoma definitely do it you will delight and confuse your neighbors <laughs> I think we do that as a family anyways. <laughs> the first week that we lived here, um, I was a single dad at the time. And, you know, my son was at his mom's. And so I was mowing. And we have this sweet gum tree that has these spiky balls that, you know, fall off and are a nuisance. And the back flap of my lawnmower was missing because the move somehow had been jostled off or whatever. And all of my neighbors were out that day, like watering their plants and like cooking out or whatever. They were all there for some reason. I still to this day have not seen them all out at once. But, um, oh my gosh. Anyways, like two of the freaking two or three of those little spiky balls got launched from the lawnmower into my crotch when I was mowing in the front yard. <laughs> and I like dropped to my knees and like gasping for air, trying not to throw up. And all of them stop and turn and, like, stop what they're doing and look at me. And then I have to, like, crawl up. I park the lawnmower and then wave at everybody and be like, hi. You know, like, I'm your new neighbor. (laughs) So we did not start off on the right foot. There you go. We um, we are uh, 
our dog like shipped here uh, when we, you know, we had like somebody drive him yeah. while we when we were moved. And um, the first thing that happened, we had literally just moved into our house and we didn't know any of our neighbors and the people who were driving the dog, uh, you know, they had driven him like 3000 miles safely. And then they, um, the first thing they did was back into our neighbor's car. Oh, no. So he like came out the street and we're like, hi, we're your new neighbors. That's so bad. Like they had driven the whole way with no accidents and then. <laughs> soon as they got to their destination yeah it was a bad first impression for sure yeah that's <laughs> crazy getting hit yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know how i would feel about that that's so funny yeah it was awful <laughs> we went uh i i had this uh board game cafe on the show and we went there a couple days ago to rent some board games because my kids love playing them and um mm-hmm. The guy that I know wasn't there, and so it was someone else, and they don't know us from Adam, you know. And so we're we're in there and we're shopping, and my I have a really like my middle child has severe ADHD, like she's got sensory <laughs> disorder, so she is like our little hummingbird. She can't sit still. She got touch stuff, you know. Um, super like she doesn't have an inside voice. So um, so yeah. for people that don't know us, it's kind of startling sometimes, you know. Well, anyways, so we're right. Right as we go to leave, she leans over and touches this wand display of, like, you know, handcrafted uh-huh. wands that are, like, $200 a piece, like, you know, intricate stuff. And, um, yeah, of course, the whole rack falls over with all the wands going everywhere, like, right as we yeah. were walking out the door. And I just had to turn around and just be like, oh, my God. Like, we we almost made it outside. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So we love, you know. We love going places, but sometimes I'm like, is it worth, you know, embarrassing the crap out of myself today? (laughs) Totally. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I thank you so much for being on the show today. I I enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I hope hope it lived up to the hype of your first podcast. (laughs) It was great. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so where can people find you? Like, what are all your social medias? Oh yeah, okay. I'm on TikTok. Um, I feel like my handle is Leah Lawson, but I'm, now that I'm saying it, I'm not 100 sure. But I am on TikTok. Um, I'm on Instagram as LL Lawson, um, and you can listen to my music on Spotify if you just type in Leah Lawson. Perfect. So go check yeah. her out um, and give her at least you know part of your money. So she can continue doing what she loves. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's what I always try to encourage people is like, you know, just a dollar to someone that you enjoy their art means the world to them. Like you have no idea. Cause a lot of times it like, especially with the podcast and stuff, I feel like we're shouting into the void until somebody makes like a ridiculous donation or whatever. And you're like, Oh, you know, I do matter. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so did you say that or in one of your TikToks your song was used in a trailer? Oh yeah, that was the coolest thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> it was uh there's like an independent movie called um Blur Circle and they put I have a song called Israel from like a, a bit ago, but it's on Spotify and they used it in the trailer and then somebody told me apparently they used it in the credits too. Wow. So 
And you still yeah, haven't I, watched it, was, it yet? Well, listen, <laughs> I, it's on my list to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have been meaning to. And I, I, I kind of forgot that it happened because it was like some years ago. And then I was trying to put together like a um, kind of like a press kit. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, that happened that and then i remembered again that i'm a terrible person for having not watched this movie but yeah. i'm going to watch the movie that's incredible but though still, that's the ultimate compliment is to put something in something that they worked hard on you know yeah it's, it's yeah i i'm really thankful to them for using that and then also don't really know how they found it but i'm really glad that they did yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah so reach out to uh, leah on instagram and and uh <laughs> you can use her music in your movie just make sure that the you know the check gets to where it's supposed to go yeah (laughs) yeah we had um someone use one of our songs that we made for the show uh the first season in um Mm -hmm. in one of their like trailer things for their um podcast like Mm -hmm. like the bad background noise and it was just like like a compliment but it was also like dude (laughs) you know like we worked hard on that yeah. Okay. To be fair, I was signed up for a um, licensing program for a oh, bit, yeah. and so it licensed my song. It was all legal. Yeah. I just was really surprised they found it because I had just nobody was listening to my music. So, yeah. 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 So you know, if you get to it, do it legally, people. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Don't don't uh, still because you know I could talk to yeah. you all day about LimeWire and the days of old. That was. Oh my. Yeah, that was my jam. Yeah, uh, I don't know how many bands I discovered on accident because I thought they were other bands, but yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but I appreciate you hanging out with us for a bit. Um, everybody, go check her out on TikTok. Um, you won't be disappointed, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your Thursday. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Oh no problem. Oh, uh, I would like to have you on again sometime for like a part two. So. I will reach out. Okay, sounds good. All right, have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So that was Leah Lawson, and um, you heard her song at the beginning of the show. Uh, You definitely should check it out. Again, it's called Cheaper Kind. Um, She has other music, and um, like she said, she's on Spotify, so go listen there. And then on her TikTok, she um, she doesn't just have music like uh singing videos she also has other stuff so definitely go check her out and see if you can help her find out who the uh mystery of the googly eyes is that's so fun i I love that i if you want to do that in paul's valley go right on ahead i will definitely support that but um thanks for listening uh we love you guys here at diner discussions and we hope that you have a fantastic day uh don't forget to check out patreon um it's diner discussions podcast at patreon.com